Hi guys, it's Laura with the content warning for this episode. We are just putting trigger warnings for brief mentions of molestation, sex, and body modification. Please take care of yourselves and enjoy the episode. Pops, said Sam, do you think we'll be coming back to camp again about a month from now? I mean, in about 35 days or something like that. I guess so, replied Mr. Beaver. I certainly hope so. But why 35 days? What's so special about 35 days? Oh, nothing, said Sam. I just thought it might be very nice around here in 35 days. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of, said Mr. Beef. It's nice here all the time. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. Hello. Hello. Welcome to 2022. <gasps> We're already in 2022. I forgot about that. Man, this is our third season of Reading Rainbow. I know. Isn't that amazing? It's exciting. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Who would have thunk that we could have sustained this and during a pandemic? That is actually astounding to me. Right. And I think... Um... No, I was going to say, like, we might even have more listeners, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think we have about the same amount. I think we're putting Sound in the off. same amount of effort as... Silence. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone? Anybody no? here? Okay. Say hey. Roll call. <laughs> it's just us. <laughs> yeah. It's just is what it is. Yeah. And it's us. Yeah. New beginnings. Always new. How are you? I'm doing all right. It is Friday and uh, French Toast Friday. Oh, I like that. Yeah, thank you. And that's that's my, I didn't my, have humble, my humble how are you spiel. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. I had a fried egg today, so it was fried egg Friday for me as well. Ooh. Uh, so what did we... It's going to be a little chunky today, y'all. So let's kick off with the very first book of season three yeah uh trumpet of the swan by eb white yep that's right it's eb white again <laughs> you're you heard and correctly we're doing two in a row because we didn't think about that at all but guess what y'all we're switching it up this time yeah. because now in season three uh you may remember in season two i was doing the author fact and laura was doing the book fact or maybe you don't remember but guess what we switch a it on you mm. So, Laura hit me with that other fact. fact. Cool. My first time. Alrighty. So, E.B. White is obviously very well known for his children's literature, of which there are only three. Um, Charlotte's Web, The Trevor of the Swan, and Stuart Little. But his career as a writer is actually more based on articles um, and essays and letters and stuff. But in 1959... According to the, this is from the Wikipedia page, White edited and updated the Elements of Style. This handbook of grammatical and stylistic guidance for writers of American English was first written and published in blah, 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 somebody else, uh, <laughs> William Strunk Jr. But so that's just a grammar sure. guide, right? Um, but then a few years later, somebody illustrates this edition. Actually, that's like a few decades later, 2005. Um <laughs> And somebody wrote an opera based on this book, too, also in 2005, <laughs> on this grammar book. I don't understand it. Wow. Yeah. And somebody else wrote a book about this book called Stylist, a slightly obsessive history of Strunk and White's The Elements of Style. 
So he is a well-rounded, well-rounded <laughs> writer, apparently, because I don't know. That thing also took off. He's won the Pulitzer Prize I, and the Presidential Medal of Freedom and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I am. I guess that's slightly that's intrigued. I was gonna say very intrigued, but that would be a lie. I'm slightly intrigued that someone decided to illustrate and create an opera based off of this grammar book because right. I don't really understand what the story is and what needs to be visualized and what needs to be sung. Yeah. Auditorialized, musicalized. Absolutely. I would agree that I'm confused. And those were two different people. Like, two different independent people had these motivations to... uh, We're just like, I see a vision in this this reference book. Yeah. I don't know. It needs to come out. So maybe we do need to read that to our reading list and figure out what that's about. Um, So that's pretty weird. Yeah, I... I guess I will. Also, I was also surprised to hear that um, E.B. White only has three children's books, and they are like all very, very well known. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would venture to say that most people haven't heard of the other stuff he's done. Yeah. No. One. Well, so that actually goes into my book fact no. because uh, talking about, and we'll get into this later, of course, when we do our ratings and unintended takeaways and judgments, mm-hmm. but. I will say right off the bat, not a huge fan of this book. Mm. And you know who else also wasn't? John Updike in the New York Times. <clears throat> okay. In which he said, while not quite so sprightingly as Stuart Little and less rich in personalities and incident than Charlotte's Web, the peon or payon or payin or whatever Pian. to barnyard life. Peon? That's what I thought it was. Yes, I already forgot. So the P, what is it? Pian. <laughs> that Are you just trying to make me Pian. <laughs> no, I'm like I can't get it in my mind. That Pian to barnyard life by a city humorous turned farmer, about the trumper of the swan has superior qualities of its own. It is the most spacious and serene of the three, the one most imbued with the author's sense of precious instinctual heritage represented by wild nature. So I guess John Updike did like it. Wait, okay. He found his own special little thing to like. But he listed all three of the yeah. children's books that E.B. White wrote. And I agree with... I mean, I don't really agree with the praises that he's giving mm-hmm. this book. But I do agree, not so sprightly as Stuart Little and less rich in personalities and incident than Charlotte's Web. I do sure. I do agree with that. Right. Yeah. I don't, I've never read Stuart Little um, and the TV... No, the movie scared me. No, I was about to say oh the same thing. I haven't read Stuart Little, but I remember core memory, and I haven't seen Stuart Little, the movie, mm-hmm. in so long. But one of the reasons why I didn't like watching it as a kid mm-hmm. was the scene where he goes down the garbage disposal. Oh. Like, that feared me was so much fear. fear. Yeah. Because at any point, mm-hmm. it could go off, and that little mouse, little mush, mm-hmm. more like. I so For me, me it, it was also fear. It was the fear when he was, like, stuck in the washing machine, I think, or the dishwasher or something. Um, it must have been the washing machine because they could like see him. Um, yeah, that just filled me with fear. And just the fear that like you could be forgotten and like tossed in there like by accident. Like that scared me <laughs> so much. Just a fear of like home appliances. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, pretty much. So. But we're not talking about no, that. We're talking we're... about the trumpet of the swan. Exactly. And I will say, uh, I, like I said, hadn't read Stuart Little had only read Charlotte's Web last month when we read it for the podcast. 
but I have quote unquote read The Trumpet of the Swan <laughs> because when I was in first grade, we did a read aloud oh. to this book. Yeah. I have never, ever heard of this book before. You brought it up for the podcast wow. years ago. Well, we'll get into what you think about it later, but mm-hmm. I will start us off with the Goodreads blurb of Trumpet of the Swan. So here we go. The Trumpet of the Swan by E.B. E. B. White. <clears throat> Generations have grown up with E.B. White's classic novels. One of his best-loved books, The Trumpet of the Swan, about a signet who finds his voice is now a full-length animated film from Sony. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. I didn't write this Goodreads blurb. I don't know why they're going off and pulling all these unrelated things about the book. Now younger readers can experience the joy of reading about Louis, the trumpeter swan, and his friends in these adorable readers with original full-color illustrations. Louis is very popular. Who wouldn't love a swan who can read, write, and play the trumpet. When Louis goes to camp, he meets a boy named A.G. who doesn't like birds, and since Louis is a bird, that means he doesn't like Louis. When A.G. pulls a dangerous stunt out on the lake, he realizes that Le- that Louis is a hero after all. And blurb, I just want to say, that was a horrible blurb, and oh, told man. you about one incident that happens in this entire book. So, Laura? Yep. Give us an actual summary, please. I will try. Also, I just also want to say, um, in the blurb, it says A.G. is a kid's name. And it's the full is Applegate. Yeah. Like, that's his full name. And I wrote that in my notes because I was like, what kind of name is Applegate? Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get into that later. Laura, hit us with that summary. Yeah. So this is a very long and winding book. Um, which is astounding because it's, it's only like 250 pages. Um, so first, I don't even know. Like this starts with so many things. This, this is like a prequel with the story at the same time. So first of all, we've got Sam Beaver, who's this kid and he and his dad go on these wilderness trips all the time to just go and hang out in the wilderness. That's fine. Um, and then there's also these pair of swans there's the swan and the cob and the cob is the male swan um and they find the perfectest spot in this lake that is the best place ever to have um to lay eggs and stuff and sam loves nature so he goes and observes them um they form this bond because they're like what's this kid doing here but then he saves them from a fox so they're like he's good they're in a life debt to him yeah um when these little babies are born they go and introduce them to sam and he's like sitting there and the little swans one by one go beep except for one at the end who does not say beep, but he walks up to Sam and pulls on his shoelaces and it's like, ah. Um, so then these little it actually swans does sound pretty cute. grow up and the parents are letting them have their time. Um, and they realize that one of the swans is not able to speak and make swan noises in the ways that the other swans are, which is very notable for them because they are trumpeter swans. They trumpet, I, I guess, a lot. I don't know about trumpets one. So they use certain um, language, which we'll discuss later. But basically, they're very concerned because this is how they communicate. And this is how they find mates for the rest of their life, is by trumpeting at each other. So they, this family tries a lot of solutions. First, Louis, the swan, he thinks, well... I'm going to go learn to read and write. So he goes and he finds Sam Beaver out in the school in Montana. Um, and he's like... I got to go to school with you. Um, don't ask me how they communicate because I forget. But 
Sam brings him to first grade, and I don't know, the swan convinces him to teach him how to read, so then he returns to the swans with a chalkboard slate and a pencil so that he can read and write. And that's great, except for the fact that none of the other swans can read or write. So so that doesn't work. Um, And they're kind of bummed out. So then the parents are discussing this because Louis, he sees this other swan named Serena, and he's in love with her, but she is not talking to him. So the... The dad, the cob, who does not get a name, um, he's like, I got a solution. So he flies off to Billings, Montana. Um, and he's like, I got to get my son a trumpet. So he bursts through a music store window, <laughs> like makes a bunch of ruckus, steals a trumpet and then flies away. Um, so he's like, here, son, I've gifted you a trumpet. And the son is like, oh, no, you've like you put a black mark on your soul. And the dad's like, that's all right. Um, Very concerning. I know, it's a bummer, but now you got a trumpet. And Louie's like, well, I can't play this trumpet because I've got two feet and no arms. So then he goes away again to find Sam and somehow explains him with the chalk again that he needs to learn how to play this trumpet um, and that his dad stole this trumpet, so he needs to go and earn money to pay back the music store people. All right? So this starts his long, long career of being a trumpet person, a trumpet swan. You know, being what is a it? literal a trumpeteer. trumpet swan. Is that what they're called, trumpeteers? I don't know. I never. I was never in the band. I was a string Orchestra. child. Yeah, <laughs> a cellist. All right. Well, so first he goes and plays um, the trumpet for the summer camp that Sam works at. He saves a kid's life and he does all this stuff, and everybody's like, "Wow, you're so great!" So they give him a medal um, for saving the kid's life. Um, so then he flies away to get another gig. Um, he flies to Boston. I'm sorry. Um, he flies to Boston. <laughs> I, I had to. And then plays for the the swan boat. And that's cool because they put him up in the Ritz for a night for some reason. Um, and he orders like 12 watercress sandwiches. Yes. And it's a, re- it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. He sits in the bathtub. And it's it's this whole ordeal to even get him admitted to the hotel. Um, so that's his summer. So he makes a bunch of money there. And then he hears of another gig in Philadelphia where it's more of like a nightclub situation. Um, and there, they don't put him up in a hotel. He has to go live in the zoo, um, I guess. And mind you, this whole time, he's carrying with him the pencil and the chalkboard and the metal and his trumpet and a pouch for all his money, his cash money that he's just carrying everywhere. All right. So... Mm-hmm. Finally, he's in Philadelphia. He's he's earned tons of money. I don't. We, it's never mentioned how much he really needs. He just knows he's no money math going. in here. Yeah. Um. But he's living his life, sleeping in the zoo, going to play um, the trumpet at night, and then there's this big storm, and Serena, the the lady, um, one that he likes, Swan. crash lands into his zoo. <laughs> And he's like, ah, yes, this is my chance. This is my chance. So he has this whole strategy. He waits until it's dawn and she's about to wake up. And he starts, like, playing his trumpet. Because he's gotten pretty good at this point. He starts playing his little song. And then she falls in love. And she's like, wow, what a great swan this is. And look at all his stuff. He's rich. Um, So that's that, I guess. But it's an issue because when the zookeeper looks out and sees another swan, besides Louis, um, he's like, oh, sweet, another swan for the zoo. Let's go cut off her flight feathers. Um, so then there's a whole kerfuffle because he sends these humans to go cut her feathers and 
uh, Louis has to attack them and drive them away. And then so Louis has this conversation with the zookeeper and he's like, no, this is my mate. I'm in love. You can't do this. And the zookeeper's like, yeah, I can. We need another swan here. He calls in Sam Beaver again. This kid is now 14. Um, he flies up. He pays for his flight to come in and help him out. Um, so Sam negotiates this deal where whenever Serena and Louis, whenever they have eggs and babies, they will bring one of their babies to the zoo and leave them there uh, in return for them being oh able to leave. gosh. Yeah. So that is the, the deal they strike. And, uh, they're all happy, I guess, with that. So then they finish sure. up the summer and then they go home. And now he's has he's got enough money. So he sends his dad back home to bill or bad to, back to Billings to pay off his debt. But because he's flying in, they assume that he's back to like terrorize the town again. So the music store owners like tries to shoot him. <laughs> And then he's on the ground and everybody's like, oh, my goodness. And then the game board comes out and it says, this is an endangered species. You actually are going to jail, sir. <laughs> and then someone's like, what's in this pouch? And it's the money and a note from Louis explaining how this is, you know, payment for all the damages. Um, so then there is all this kerfuffle because the music store owner's like, hey, that's my money. And the game board's like, no, you're going to jail and that money should go to me. And then they're like, is there a... Who's good, who could help us? And there's a judge in the audience. So he comes out and he Thank sorts goodness. it all out. And then they finally send this bird to the human hospital, you know, where you send sure. injured birds. Um, and it's fine. He's fine. He was bleeding, but he was just nicked. Then he just leaves. He just goes out the window and he's done. Um, he's outie. And they're all happy at that point. And that's the end. Wow. Yeah. I tell you what, I it really didn't hit me that they did like a little biblical moment and promised the zoo their firstborn son. I mean, it's not, they didn't explicitly say our firstborn son, but yeah. they're like, hey, of our first litter, you can have one of our children, mm-hmm. which I don't know how I feel about. I know. I was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Um, thank you for that excellent summary. That was definitely much better than the blurb. Thank you. Um, and I think we should go straight into unanswered questions because I know that we both have a lot to yeah. say. Okay, I will say in this entire book, there were a lot of times where I was just like, what an interesting way to describe things. I know. Or the words that you used. Mm-hmm. Opening, E.B. White is like, I think it's Sam, and he's like, he walked like an Indian, small yeah. steps with no noise. And I was like, I don't know. No. Well, okay, have you seen that TikTok audio where it's like, no, automatically no. I've I've heard what you've had to say, and the answer is no. no I haven't like, seen that's that how yet. I feel about that. Okay, well, there's another example of Indian names yeah. or Indian, like a reference to Indian people, aka indigenous people, yes. aka Native Americans, but they just say Indians. And so one of them is, um, the camp yes. that Sam attends uh, is like Coca Kuka something. The explanation is it's an Indian name for the great horned owl. Mm-hmm. But like they ask the camp counselor, they're like, oh, why is it this name? And I think they say something like boys camps must have interesting kooky names. And yes, I mean, overall, I'm not really a fan of the explanation, but it's, it's one thing to say like, oh, that it has to have an interesting name, but to say kooky is mm-hmm. biased. I mean, it's it's exoticizing uh, a whole f- culture. A whole culture, which yeah. I'm just not 
Yeah, like, which I'm not a fan of. So, mm-hmm. points off for you, E.B. White. I'm not going to lie, I'm just going to be a hater on this book. Yeah. Um, There was another part where I think the camp counselor was like, bad boys might molest you. And I'm like, whoa! Mm-hmm. Whoa! He's. I think he's... I think the camp counselor's talking to Louie, and he's like, don't go out on in the lake alone, uh-huh. or maybe he's talking to... And I'm just like, I'm sorry, what sickos, what mm-hmm. sick little boys well, are going to go out and, I like... I think in old-fashioned, moral fashion language, it means just, like, bother. I know, oh, I, I absolutely know what you okay. mean, but um, I think it's... Uh, in old-fashioned language, it had a different... It didn't that make, is yeah, good to know. That meaning. is good to know, because I, I was just like... This is a child's book. Why are we introducing bestiality? Oh, man. But, okay. And what is loafing? Does that mean anything to you? Loafing? Yeah. I would say, like, loafing about, like, being lazy. That is just automatically off the top of my head. Yeah. Because, okay, so in the beginning when they're explaining that Sam and his dad, like, make these little trips all the time, um, it says in the book, um, so there, Mr. Beaver would hire a bush pilot to fly them to the lake where his camp was for a few days of fishing and loafing and exploring. Mr. Beaver did most of the fishing and loafing. Sam did the exploring. I'm looking it up. All right. Let me just... Thank you. Thank, thank you. Loafing is... Loaves of bread. Nope. Yay! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, to pass time at leisure. To idle. So they're like, old father doing the fishing, hanging out. Gotcha. Sun, sprightly, exploring. I mean, same, man. I mean, we'll hike once or twice, but I'm really just here to sit here and look at trees and stuff. And mm-hmm. when they describe, when the the, the swans are discussing um, the fact that Louis is mute, uh, they they keep they keep using the word defective, and they use that throughout the whole book. Um, oh, no. It's like, is that really what you want to say? Is that really the word that they mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's, interest uh, i was fascinated mm-hmm. by the topics that are covered in this yeah. book even the ones that are ever so briefly covered like there's a section about i mean this is maybe it's a stretch but they talk about body modification because uh louis starts out playing the bugle or playing the trumpet like a bugle or something yes. because with a bugle you don't have the little finger presses and so you don't need to be you know you don't need like opposable thumbs or whatever. Um, and it's just all about your what is it? Umpature, whatever the frick you found. Embouchure. Embouchure. Um, and so then later on, Louis is developing his mm-hmm. embouchure or whatever. And he's like, I want to play the trumpet, which means I need to be able to use my deduct, my swan feet like. Um, mm-hmm. Like fingers, but I can't because they're webbed. And so he goes to Sam and he's like, Sam, I need you to take this knife and cut apart my feet. Yeah. And Sam is at first like, are you sure? And Louis's like, yeah, do it. And then it's done and then it's never touched on again. Yeah. And so I was just like, I don't know. I was just not expecting it to be like, and now we cut open his body and we changed it. Mm-hmm. But like we, as we've discussed, like these books that are like for kids and middle grade and like high school like can cover a very large range of stuff because like so in the most recent example charlotte's web covered death um yeah and but i I mean the whole book is about death yeah like it's the cycle of life and like preparing for that and being able to live in spite of like that fear and everything um but i don't quite understand what all of this is coming to coming in 
this time of the swad, I don't understand how it comes together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and we'll talk about this later in the judgments part, but I was also just like, and also like John Updike said in mm-hmm. his review, it's like, I think that this one has a lot less character and story development. And I am honestly very critical of what I think mm-hmm. the message is of this book. Um, but like I said, we'll get into that later. Yeah. I also th- want to say that they do touch on, um, they talk about the mating rituals of swans, but literally there is a part and it's basically swan sex. Mm-hmm. It's because you are like, and this is another big point of issue that I did have with this, um, is anthropomorphizing animals. Mm-hmm. Like they do that in Charlotte's Web. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they do that here. And so you have Louis and... The entire time, it's noted it's noted that he is a swan, and so he has certain expectations mm-hmm. of him. And then, you know, when he defies those expectations and does human things, it's noted in that. Mm-hmm. But then they also talk about his swan-like sensibilities, and part of it is finding a mate. But then they have this whole section, and it's like, he beat his wings, and Serena beat her wings, mm-hmm. and then they were intertwined, and blah, blah. I'm like, Ugh. all right. Yeah. Because it is, basically, if they're trying to compare all of Louis' actions to... Mm-hmm. like human personification they're talking about swan sex mm-hmm. y'all beyond just like anthropomorphizing it there's just yeah a lot of imposition of human ideals and human norms and stuff onto the animals and it's like why in a book about nature why do we need that structure um my next question was why yeah. are these geese so concerned with like human geography because like when they're in canada they know they're in canada and when they're at bird lake in montana they know where that is um why like why do the birds need to know that <laughs> like where do they learn these words how do they know if they're just birds up in the sky they don't see borders they just see trees <laughs> i don't understand okay so we know that eb white is writing this for kids mm-hmm. and he's also trying to bring some element of education mm-hmm. and or he's got his own i don't mean agenda so negatively charged but yeah know, he's obviously trying to hit specific things mm-hmm. uh to educate kids and to educate the readers and so in charlotte's web he had this whole thing with money math like it was always talking about that and I feel like in this, it was talking about part of his agenda was like teaching kids about geography mm-hmm. and then teaching kids about uh, nature, but specifically swans and their habits. Yeah. But I don't think that it was executed as well. I think mm-hmm. part of it was the money maths element always came um, from the perspective from the storylines of the humans. Mm-hmm. And so we t- they talk about money math when, you know, the farmer is getting his um, his prize money or when the kids are asking mm-hmm. for allowance money. But in this, when he's talking about, like, geography, it's coming from a swan mm-hmm. who is a swan in this universe and everyone sees them as swans and they have swan sensibilities, but they also have these human capabilities yeah. of, like, understanding geography or uh, we talked about this uh, kind of beforehand, but this idea of uh, morality mm-hmm. and how the father swan and yeah. uh, Louis are so enraptured with this black mark on their uh, honor when the father steals the trumpet. Mm-hmm. And like the human feeling of being indebted to someone or feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not saying that animals don't feel guilty or don't have their own expressions, but I don't think they're the same as humans. 
I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm ranting because I really didn't like this book. Yeah. But you go. I think, so yeah, I think it's just uh, strange choices because if the goal of the book was to teach kids about nature and teach them appreciation for nature, um, I don't understand why these animals have these human ideals and human, um, the sense of geography and stuff like that. And you could argue that, um, you know, animals have gender roles, like fine. Um, mm-hmm, and they have sure. their own social structures and stuff like that. Um, but these are, are still very human gender roles that they're discussing. Um, like, so, so when are they discussing the fact that Louis is mute and how, um, they won't keep up with find a mate? Like, sure, that might be a real concern for, like, animals, but it's very ableist language that he chooses. I think that in a book where the, if the goal is to teach kids appreciation for nature, um, and to, like, understand that a little better, I think it is strange to have these animals have these human ideals and human ideas, like, of geography, um, of morals and of money and stuff like that. Like, um, like Louis is shown to have to figure out all these human things, like staying in a hotel, um, negotiating stuff with the zookeeper when he's a bird, like he just shouldn't have to negotiate anything. (laughs) He can fly away. But so I think it's very strange that the idea, if the idea is to get kids to like understand nature better is to make these animals be more human and not have humans understand nature as it is. Um, I think that, you know, it's not necessarily teaching empathy and it's not necessarily teaching considering other perspectives and like putting yourself in the shoes of animals. Like that is some missed opportunities necessarily. It's not really exactly how I would imagine a book like this going because Louis, yeah, is so concerned with like uh, all of the money. And uh, there is a very long paragraph where they tally up exactly how much money he made at the very end. Yeah. Um, So I guess there is a bit of money math in there. And the, the impetus for this is that, um, so Louis is mute and he can't communicate with the other swans. And I understand like in nature um, that might create challenges, but it's, it's just, they go like have a strange way of dealing with this. Cause first of all, they do use a lot of ableist language, um, like using words like defective mm-hmm. to describe the condition. Um, and the, the parents are just, they're worried. They're worried that he's not going to be able to find a mate. Um, which I think is fair. But they also begin to worry. They mentioned they're worried about him being able to fly and do these all these other things that are not related to speech and trumpeting and everything. Like he has other things to offer and he doesn't, this one thing shouldn't define him. So he has to go to the human world to get all these human things that make him like sufficient enough in the swan world. I think that's such a weird message. That's true. I think that's so weird. You know, I think that a more balanced approach would be showing that, like in Encanto, um, showing that he didn't have to do all those things yes. to be a full person and to be a full person, a full swan, and like to deserve like good things um, and to deserve to, like happiness and everything. And ableism, I think, is much more like strongly interrogated today in media. And I, again, I'm not an expert in that, but I think that like there's there's quite a bit to say in this book about how they treat him and the ways they dis- deal with his disability. I'll give E.B. White the benefit of the doubt and also kind of like a mark against him that he, I don't think he knew what he was stepping into when he created these characters. I think he had an idea of what, of the story he wanted to tell, Mm -hmm. but he added all these details and like characteristics that at least now, and like, I'll say it's of the times, Mm -hmm. like of the times it didn't seem like an issue, but looking at it and reading it today with the context that we have mm-hmm. like he just added oh and also there's this characteristic that mm-hmm. it just like he completely overlooks because it's not part of the story he's trying to tell but it is part of the story yeah. and so I think it's all like contextually based like I don't think I mm-hmm. I don't think I can get past it like I don't I have a problem with this yeah but with 
Trumpet of the Swan, I just, I feel like E.B. White was ignorant in what he was dealing with. I think he was focused on the story he was trying to tell and uh, not, I don't think it was intentional, mm-hmm. but not giving weight to the to the other facts of, of the story. Yeah, but it is still, it's still harmed then by like negligence and by, um, mm-hmm. you know, all these microaggressions yeah. that are included. Do you have more unanswered questions? Yes, my, my my last one is, why could they not just fly out that zoo? I don't understand why they had to go through this whole negotiation with their, like, future babies. Um, which, Serena wasn't a I part know, of that that's... conversation. She wasn't there. She didn't get to consent to that. Um, it's so wild. But, like, so, yeah, when she originally crashes and they fall in love, like, and then the people come to try to cut her feathers, like... That's the moment where yeah. you fly away. <laughs> well, sure, Louis had to stay in the city and like finish his gig, um, but he like the gig didn't require him to stay in the zoo. Like he had, he could just mm-hmm. go. I guess. I mean, it's like, it's like you know they would be homeless and stuff, but also they're birds. And this again is a yeah. weird no- nature story. I don't get it. Why the birds just couldn't leave and fly away? Uh, yeah, I think that leads to the ultimate unanswered question for me about this whole book is like, why did you have to go there? Like, if you're trying to tell this mm-hmm. story, then why did you have to bring in, oh, I'm going to sell one of my children. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to modify my body. Oh, I'm going to, I have to steal this trumpet and now I have to pay it back. Like, why did we need to go there if yeah. you're trying to teach us about, uh, like, swan habits and nature? Mm-hmm. Because these are so not nature things. Or if you're trying yeah. to tell us the story of this swan who overcomes or copes with his condition by through music Mm -hmm. or by you know like not fitting in with his community and so he finds solace in a different community and he has to adapt to that like sure that's all great but why do you have to involve selling i I really have a problem why do you have to involve selling your kid yeah again such a weird story a weird takeaway for a nature story where it's like oh well the humans are imposing this deal on the swan which is not like again they're swans this is not like legally like, they're not legally obligated to do this. Also, every time that Louis writes in this book, it's in Comic Sans. Which is not E.B. White's oh fault. Oh my god! It's not his fault. It's just in there. Yeah. But um, also, I didn't also know that. notable things about the book is that, obviously, there's a lot of description of the songs that Louis plays, and they conclude, like, the shit music in there. So I'm like, oh, okay, so if I went oh, damn. pull out my keyboard, I could go play this right now. Not that I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go do that, but slight correction is that okay serena she was like she was present when they were cooking up this little deal between sam and louis and her she was there but they didn't ask her like i guess it's implicit that she like could have said something but she really wasn't a major player in this negotiation okay so here's another i guess this is a question honestly we know it's a hidden judgment but if we're talking about nature uh and i feel like this is all this is something that charlotte's web did well when talking about death and like how in nature, you know, certain animals are carnivores. So they eat Mm -hmm. other animals like Charlotte ate a fly and it wasn't like, Oh, let's hide it and say that she actually only survives on berries. No, they're like, she's like, I drink, I, I catch it and I drain it of its blood and I eat it. And Wilbur's like, Oh, that's disgusting. And she's like, Oh, it's what I do for me. You don't have to do that. You eat other things. It's, I feel like it has the awareness of like, this is part of nature. Mm-hmm. In this, okay, so Sam saves the swans from yeah. the fox, and he's lauded as a hero, and so I do understand that that is heroic, but that's also part of, like, 
that's part of nature. That um, mm-hmm. the life cycle that now the fox needs to find something else to eat. You know, nature is metal, and so mm-hmm. and nature is cyclical, and it's not kind, quote unquote, kind to everyone, or you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, fair in the human context affair uh mm-hmm. that certain animals have to die so others can eat it and it all feeds into each mm-hmm. other so i did have a problem with that too yeah that's a point i had not considered is that um especially it's i think the fact that we have read charlotte's way before reading this informs a lot of what we're saying too yeah that's it's fresh yeah it's i fresh. um like as as much as i you know was mad about charlotte's web it like it was like construct more or less constructed and it was working towards a point um which is a lot of what we're talking about like how life is cyclical and there's death and you can you can still have you're still allowed to feel joy and you're still allowed to look forward to things and like um and that's beautiful and everything i don't really know (laughs) what's going on in this book um like what are we working towards because um yeah there's there's a lot of stuff in here like is that happiness is um, it is fulfilling the norm of like finding a mate and everything in your swan society. Um, or is it that like, I mean, and part of the, like, again, part of his journey is that he was born with this, um, disability and he can't make noise like the other, um, Trumpers, Trumper swans can. I don't know. I mean, that is in itself is kind of problematic because that's part of his journey is overcoming it and like still trying to fit into swan society like in spite of it, instead of it being like just part of who he is. Here's what I'll say. I'll say, um, I, I think it's very common in a lot of underserved communities, mm-hmm. be it about like ableism or race or sexuality or gender, mm-hmm. but the idea that, uh, this aspect of you that makes you different, um, it's both not something that defines you, but it should be acknowledged, Yeah, you know? So where do you find the balance between that? Yeah. And I mean, I, and I don't expect Evie White to have the answers no. <laughs> or anyone to have the answers, I certainly don't have the answers, but again, you made this a point in your book, and I don't think you did it justice. Yeah, and I, this has a or lot of even tried to unintended consequences that you didn't necessarily yeah. think about. Um, do we want to go into unintended er, takeaways and judgments? Because I'm ready. I've I feel been like ready we, I was like, we haven't we been doing that? <laughs> I mean, we've already technically been doing that, but yeah. you want to go officially there? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just going to start off because this is, it's been like percolating in my mind, but I was saving it for the official unintended takeaways and judgments thing. And so we talk about like, what is E.B. White trying to do? He's, it's, he's trying to teach us about nature, or at least that's what people say that he's doing. I personally, because I'm staunchly against E.B. White now, let's Mm -hmm. just say it right here right now i don't even think he was trying to teach us about nature i think he was and i do mean this as negatively charged as it sounds he was indoctrinating the youth about capitalism Mm -hmm. because there's so much talk about money in this thing and it's all about it's all about money like louis is super concerned about making money Mm -hmm. because he has to repay this debt because his father stole and all these characters are not a part of the human realm, and yet they're still binded to these contracts that don't exist. Yeah. I want to bring attention to this page where um, I don't really know what's happening in this book. Um, because, okay, so Sam's talking to the zookeeper still. Um, and the zookeeper says, well, when it comes to money, birds have it easier than men do. When a bird <laughs> earns some money, 
it's almost all clear profit. A bird doesn't have to go to a supermarket and buy a dozen eggs and a pound of butter and two rolls of toilet paper and a TV dinner and a can of Ajax and a can of tomato juice and a pound and a half of ground, ground steak. Does he have his grocery list in front of him? Okay, I'm skipping that. Um... <laughs> A bird doesn't have to pay rent on a house or interest in a mortgage. A bird doesn't have to insure its life with an insurance company and then have to pay premiums on the policy. A bird doesn't own a car and buy gas and oil and pay for repairs on the car. Yada, yada, yada. And then Sam says, that's right. But some animals do like to acquire things, even though they don't pay anything for them. And the such as? A rat, said Sam. Here we are with the rats. A rat will fix up a home for himself, but then he'll bring home all sorts of little objects, trinkets and stuff. And then he can find that catches his eyes. And the headman says, you're right. You're absolutely right. You seem to know a lot about animals. And that's it. They talk about the zoo. (laughs) Like, is the point that animals have it easier. And I wish that humans could live that way, too. That humans weren't bound to these ideas of all the, like, the money and, like, the social construct and all these, like, obligations and everything. Like, that makes, that would be kind of cool. But then Sam goes against it. He's like, no, animals do that too. <laughs> like, animals just take stuff. I don't get what he's trying to say. Like, what is the well, point? Well, see, in that sense, I think it does serve the purpose of teaching kids about capitalism and teaching kids about nature. Because yeah. it's showing the difference between the two. Because, again, that's E.B. White explaining the human bound contracts within our economy mm-hmm. of profit and living expenses and the social contracts that we have of exchanging money and exchanging goods and services. Mm-hmm. And then it's like now, but look at nature and how it functions differently. Yeah. And so I think that proves those points, but it doesn't go along with anything else that he's saying because yeah. they just acknowledge that, that Louis doesn't fit these and yet they still hold them, hold him to that, like throughout yeah. the whole thing. Based on just who E.B. White is and what Charlotte's Web was like, and maybe that's not necessarily fair, but I feel like the intended takeaway is to bring kids closer to nature um, and maybe it was just to show a cute story about um, a bird overcoming like adverse circumstances and like it was it would be cute and fun and stuff but I don't agree that it was like a good way to do it for a lot of reasons I said before where here we are imposing these like English grammar and like all these ideals and societal like norms and contracts um, onto the animals and making in particular this one animal adapt to like not only swan society standards which is one thing but human mm-hmm. society standards um i think that's just a strange for, in order to be successful i think that's just a strange message for um commuting with nature well and i i would agree with you i would i think that E.B. white was just writing a cute story mm-hmm. yeah and his goal of this was to teach kids. I think that's what each, I mean, we, we haven't read Stuart Little, but yeah. I would guess that it also has very similar uh-huh. um, themes of like having money math and or certain aspects of geography or there's like yeah things that are straight facts that he's like, here kids, learn this. And so my takeaway, my judgment is that th- with this specific book, it's like 80% facts, 20% story. Yeah, It's like the magic school bus, but boring. Mm-hmm. And when we compare it to Charlotte's Web, like, to me, Charlotte's Web um, is dealing with, like, the human emotion of death mm-hmm. via animals. Yeah. But Trumpet of the Swan is telling us facts about animals uh-huh. via animals. I, like, in just reading this, there's tons of, like, run-on sentences, run-on paragraphs. Um, but I, it was similar in um, Tale of Despero. There was a lot of, like, just lots of, like, winding points 
Um, and maybe maybe for you and me, um, we're used to like where anything unnecessary is out so that when you read it or consume it, you can assume that like all the details are necessary or like set, that they were mm-hmm. someone fought for them to be there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I feel like we have that expectation of literature and I don't think it's fair to put that necessarily on this on books like this. From my memory of my first grade memory, mm-hmm. I remember this book being about a little boy and a swan. Yeah. I do not remember him going into the city or having a hotel room. I definitely didn't get any takeaway about yeah. our economy, but like, you know, sometimes that's subtle and or like, I didn't have a problem with that as a kid. So I will also say, because we're not the intended audience, yeah, we're obviously, yeah, we're judging it maybe unfairly. But I also think it's fucking dangerous. And I think this yeah. is straight up negative, prop- this is propaganda that I don't like. And so, of course, I'm biased and I don't like it. Gender roles. It's like gender roles permeate this book. Like, swans have gender roles. Um, I believe that. It's But the fact that they, these swans are so humanized, um, does, it do- yeah. the kids don't know, like, can't tell that apart. Because it's an animal. Yeah. And they're living in their own world with their own set of consequences uh-huh. and contracts and rules i also want to bring us back to like sure we might be unfair in like all these judgments but also remember what this podcast is it's us reading books that yeah. we're supposed we never to said we'd be fair no <laughs> reading books as we read as we're supposed to read as kids and like trying to decide if it was good or not um are you ready to move into ratings yeah or do you have any last no you're good i'm good let's go <laughs> You go first. Ah, uh, it's pretty low to be honest. Like is it, I try to get the positives. Um, it was poetic most of the time. I'll give it a one or two. I'll give it a two. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you I'm gonna give it a one. Yeah. I really, I don't know. The okay, it's always you know. Of course, the more you talk about a book, you really get a feel for it. But I really feel like I. I sh- I'm recognizing my bias, and I feel like this entire podcast, I've just been harping on how much I hate this book. Yeah. And I understand that E.B. White's actions were not intentional, were not with this sure. specific thing in mind, but it's negligent, and I don't like it. Yeah. And especially the fact that this was published after Charlotte's Web, uh-huh. where I don't know why, but in Charlotte's Web, I didn't have a problem with a lot of the things that I'm having a problem with now. Mm-hmm. Because, listen, Wilbur was also had his own condition. He was the runt of the litter. Yeah. Like, so these problems do exist, but it's just... I think it's because Charlotte's Web just had so much story yeah. and plot to it. Uh-huh. And it wasn't just... I didn't feel like it was straight up... I don't know. I don't care. It's a one. One out of ten. Yeah. This is... No. I think, I think there's more harmful narratives in this um, than I think was aware of the extra point is for the description of animal noises like i love the idea of a baby signet saying peep or no beep or something like that and the, what do the the swans say they go cuckoo <laughs> what does the swan what say? does the swan say what is cuckoo. the fox bark? i think I also, in oh. the in the audio it was cuckoo cuckoo oh, that's nice. that's what i heard in my audio and okay i'll give up my second that was the one point the second point is for sam beaver because i do admire um that character because these they show him journaling and every one of his journal entries ends with a question and i just i like that oh. and like the answer to his like math thing he's just he's like will he's doing will he do anything for this swan and then he became a zoo person i think that it's a pretty interesting character yeah but another point i'll give this book sam doesn't 
go through some love uh-huh. ro- doesn't have a romantic yeah. plot, which I didn't need. I mean, like Louis does, but we'll give Louis the benefit of the doubt because he's a swan, yeah. and so like he's again as an animal, like that's a main agenda. And they they gave a lot of expectations to this swan, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'll give him a point for not giving Sam a romantic. Yeah. But that's not a tangible point, right? You're still a one. No, it's still a one. Yeah, not a tangible fake point. (laughs) It's because I couldn't think of anything good. Yeah. That's why it's not a zero. You got that, E.B. White? Okay. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Do you want to talk about a book that we didn't hate? Yeah. Let me think of one. Well, I'll go because I have one. Um, This is a book that I remember reading in second grade. So, again, if my first grade ass didn't pick up on any of the indoctrination that I am staunch against now in The Trumpet of the Swan, I really can't tell you if there's secret indoctrination in this. Like, I'm sure there is because it's a kid's book and all kid's books are propaganda. But I am going to recommend Zoo School by Lori Miller Hornick if you want to learn about animals. And so... Zoo school, from what I remember, it's, I would think of it, and again, from my memory, it's the magic school bus, and it's fun, and it's about these kids who go to this alternative school and learn, like, their teacher is a zookeeper, and it's all all about this unconventional learning, like, there's this one, kind of like in magic school bus, how there's that one student who's always like, well, this isn't how we did it at my old school. And then they're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, this is how we're going to learn now. And so I did like that. There was a sense of adventure. Um, so yes, so Zoo School by Lori Miller Hornick. Nice. All right. I'm recommending Once Upon a River again by Diane Setterfield. Because it has like a... a again. It's got like a goose on the cover, which is not a swan. <laughs> It could be a swan. I don't really know my... Uh... It's in the bird family. Now tell me, Laura, what are you currently reading? I'm currently reading uh, Animorphs by... Yeah, same! K.A. Applegate and Split Tooth by uh, Tanya uh, Tagak. What about you? Um, I am listening to the book Food by Jim Gaffigan. It is fine. I don't know. I don't know why I keep... I've, like, watched Jim Gaffigan stand up. I've read his, or I've listened to his other book, Dad is Fat. It's not really my kind of humor. It doesn't really change or evolve, uh-huh. but it's fine. Since it's our first episode of the year, are we, uh, what are our reading goals going on? What do we got going on? Um, I'm sticking with the same 100 a year. Yeah. And I'm about a tenth of the way there so Sweet. far. Nice. But what about you, Laura? What are your reading goals? I'm deliberately not setting a number reading goal because um, so last year oh. I set it. So I set it for 60 and I read 82. Go me. Um, and I am happy I did that. I read a lot of nice. books, but um, I kind of realized I was sprinting through them and I didn't wasn't really enjoying that. So uh, I mean, yeah, just doing. A, oh, I, I know that feeling. Yeah, just a quick flush, like reset this year to like re- recalibrate and see where I actually want to be with reading. Um, but also yeah. I've been like, there was like a few days where I felt so guilty about being behind on reading that I have still read like quite a few books this month already. Um, but at the same time, I am still doing a reading challenge. It's called an around the world challenge. It's by bookgirlsguide.com and I'm taking it pretty loosely, but basically they said, um, there's a region per month and you only really need to find one book, um, that's based in that region. I'm trying to find books that are like from that region 
Uh, we'll see where that goes. Overall, I want to go back to reading more mystery and historical fiction this year. And historical mystery fiction, that's the sweet spot. Oh, wow. Yeah. So many subgenres. Yeah, exactly. Especially ones outside of the Western world. Love those. I mean, I, I find it very admirable because I totally understand what you mean of like sprinting through yeah. uh, to a goal, not, and, you know, thinking more about the destination rather than the journey itself, mm -hmm. because that's definitely me every single year. Am I going to change it? <laughs> no. Do I remember the hundred books that I read? No, I remember about three of them. Yeah. But, but I do understand that. I think, I do think that's like smart to say, let me reset for the year and see how much, how many books I read naturally, Yeah. you know, and how many, you know, is it a challenge because of the quantity or is it a challenge because of the types of books that I'm reading? Yeah. Well, what are the books that you have read since last time? Yeah, let's see. In this uh, reading around the world. Yeah, it was basically kind of like an Encanto when like Louisa was like, yes. you said to take a break. So I took a break, but then I felt guilty about taking a break. So then I went to go put the donkeys in the barn. <laughs> oh, Louisa, oh my, my favorite gosh. character. Um, it's basically like that. I'm strong, but sometimes I cry. <laughs> Since last time, I finished Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Uh, the Martian by Andy Weir. Um, the City We Became... Just say it different every single time. I know. Uh, the City We Became by N.K. Jemisin. The Arctic Fury by... It says Greer slash G.R. McAllister. The Trumpet of the Swan. Uh, the Mysterious Affair at Styles by Agatha Christie. And A Transcendent mm -hmm. Kingdom by Yaa Jesse. I also read Transcendent Kingdom because we're in the same book club. Yep. I finally finished the collected poems of Chika Sagawa by Chika Sagawa and Chia Mountains by Vivek Shreya, which have been on my list nice. since the summer. So they're finally Ooh. done. Um, I read God Said This by Leah Nanenko Winkler, which is a play. I read Four Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Enough by, I'm going to butcher this one, Tozake Shange. Um, it's a play. Okay. I know I didn't do it justice. Um, Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. A Bright New Boise by Samuel D. Hunter. Homeland Elegies by, I'm also going to butcher this, Ayad Akhtar, even though I shouldn't butcher that because I listened to that and he says his name multiple times, and yet. And then The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl by Issa Rae. I would recommend those last two, Homeland Elegies and The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. Mm -hmm. I would recommend Project Hail Mary. Um, the City We Became, that was very cool. Uh, I would also recommend Transcendent Kingdom. I liked, and the Mysterious, the Mysterious Affair at Styles. So that's the first of, like, mm. uh, the Hercule Poirot series. I can't say that. I was I don't even know what that is. Yeah, but he, so he's, like, he's, like, he's, like, a famous detective type character. He was, you know, the murder on the Orient Express? Yeah. That's one of the series. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Nice. I just want to say thanks for hanging tight with us while we totally rag on this book that we yeah. hated very much. Thanks for hanging in there. And imposing um, our, I don't you know, know if this our was... personal and adult standards for fiction onto the EBYS. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> our completely biased opinions, yeah. but thanks for hanging with us. And I don't know if this is the if this is a glimpse into the, what this entire season is gonna be is it all gonna be angst yeah uh we don't know we'll find out but if you have a problem with that 
Uh, you can connect with us via email or via Twitter. Yeah. Um, Laura, do you want to give us? Do you want to give us the spelling of both of those, please? Sure. Our e- actually going to do it backwards. Our Twitter is at Red Not Read Pod, spelled at sign R E A D N O T R E A D P O D. And our email is readingnotreading at gmail.com, spelled R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. Excellent. Yeah. We also have a bookshop. Um, and if you look in our episode show notes, we have the link to that. It's an affiliate link. You can not only support local bookstores, which is what the whole organization of bookshop does, but any purchases made will also support us and help us keep the lights on. And I will say in season three, we do have some more special things coming. So we want your money. Even more special than what we've put out so far. And then website. Uh, if you want to check out any of our back catalog, yep. you can head there. Just throwing this out there again. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, uh, connect with one of those things from before. Please. Yes. Yeah, so next, join us next month, uh, the month of February, when we read and discuss the Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yeah, woo! Sing it, Laura. You know what to sing. <laughs> Let's, uh, or we could just watch Easy A instead. <laughs> oh, fine. I'll sing it. You were Romeo, I was a Scarlet, Scarlet Wait, letter. I didn't know what we were singing. Boom. Let's what what else would we be singing? Sing okay. You were Romeo, I was a scarlet letter, <laughs> and my daddy said, stay away from Juliet. <laughs> <laughs>